Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. Dan. I'm Nick. This is the podcast where a guy with a film degree and a guy knows how to work a DVD player talk to you about movies. This week, for our trip into the time machine, we go to 2007 to check out another Frank Darabont Stephen King collaboration, The Mist. That review coming up now on this episode of Brownie Points. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. There it is. I'm like one of the people in the store in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> they were drinking Budweiser. Oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Um, Not just beer. The king of beers. <laughs> Budweiser. If you missed it when I said it at the top, or just don't pay attention to your phone, you just hit play. Our second film this week is... <laughs> or if you accidentally stumbled into listening to this, and you're like, I was trying to find a Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are here to talk about The Mist. Uh, we took our time machine to 2007 instead of seeing a second movie in theaters. And, dude, this was a long time coming. I know you've known about the ending, but hadn't seen the movie itself ever. This was, for me, my third or, or no, this is like my fourth or fifth time watching this movie. Um, it's, it's, I, I remember seeing it in theaters once. I've seen it now on Blu-ray another three times, probably since 2007. Um, so I'll open the floor to you, um, for your hot take. Cause I, I'm just really excited to finally have on record, like what you think of this movie. Like what was it like for you finally watching the whole movie instead of like just hearing about how devastating this ending is? <laughs> Sprinkles. Any elaboration or? Nah. <laughs> how's Pat? How's no. Pat Maroon doing? Um, <laughs> Pat Maroon. Um. So um. I I knew more than just the ending. Like I I'd seen a lot of kind of spoiler heavy reviews for this uh, before. It was one of the, the reason being is I I. <laughs> spoiled the ending for myself a while ago because i heard how devastating it was and i was like i want to know what it is i was like you know what because the reason being is because i I was like i don't really have a way of seeing it like it wasn't on a streaming service that i had so i was like yeah i'm fine with spoiling it because i want to know what the ending is and then i was like well i'm also cool with um like just kind of finding stuff out about the movie so like i i knew some stuff not a lot of stuff about the movie and i knew what the ending was but i really like it um i, I feel like discussing it is really hard to do without spoiling a bunch of stuff so i'm gonna say really big fan i give it our highest rating of sprinkles our second lowest our second highest rating is a f- uh, full pan our middle rating is a uh, half pan uh, second lowest rating is a single brownie and worst rating is a raisin cookie. I give this our highest rating. I really like it. I'm trying to avoid spoiling stuff for people that are actually trying to avoid. Like I know this is the time machine, but there's some pretty huge spoilers to this movie that completely change how you would see the movie. So I'm trying to not spoil anything by ruining anything. So I would recommend don't listen past. Don't listen to this review. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't want it ruined. Ah. Mike was muted. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm not going to say it, but I'm just going to sit here until Dan realizes he's not making any sound. Yeah, I was looking at you and not looking at my waveforms, and I thought our call was about to drop, and then I realized, oh, wait, I'm not actually talking. <laughs> no, I, uh... It was the spooky ghost. What I, what I, what I first said to your belch was a good place to stop, but, um... But, yeah, I... Dude, I, I, I can't agree more. Um, really... For me, um, it, we still have to watch The Green Mile, but Frank Darabont has now d- only done three movies with Stephen King, but goddamn, dude, every single one of them is a home run. The Shawshank is a classic. The Green Mile is amazing. This is just so in more of an, in line with how people perceive Stephen King as like the scary, the, the horror sci- the, the horror writer, not kind of sci-fi sometimes, but... Um, and Frank Darabont just... 
he just owns this material so, so well. He shoots it differently than the Shawshank Redemption. It, I like the aesthetic choices he he picks to make it feel more well, claustrophobic. He's talked about how he shot this to be like an old B-movie monster movie from like the 50s. Yeah, I, I, he did say that. And I, I had an intro to the movie um, because I was watching the black and white one. Did you have an intro to your your version? No, no okay. it just went straight into the movie. Okay. Um, well, a- after I got to the menu and hit play, like it didn't just start like as soon as I put it in, but like yeah, when I told it to start playing the movie, it just played the movie. There was no intro. Okay, um, and listeners know I I gave Nick a copy of my Blu-ray. One disc was the color version. One disc was the black and white version. Um, and the black and white version had an introduction to with Frank describing exactly that. Like he likes that both movies have their own distinct feel that that makes it a different experience even though it's the same movie but the black and white one's more like an old school like black and white 50s horror movie and then the color one is like a a 70s kind of retro kind of feel to it like with it being in color or at least that's the way he described it um but he prefers the black and white version so i was okay watching it i gave you the colored one and um yeah when you're trying to figure that out too i was like let me give it to you this way the black and white version is the more artiste version of this movie from what I've heard, and it will be completely lost on me, so why don't you take that one? Dude, it oh my god, there's some scenes in this movie that I, I I know I saw this in black and white, but it was well close to fifteen years ago. And I every other time I've seen this it's been in color. So like it was almost like not quite watching it for the first time because it's it wasn't, but just re- remembering how this movie looks in black and white versus being so used to seeing it in color. Some of, Jesus Christ, some of it is so much scarier in black and white. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I, I, I'd love to show you just, like, little bits of it, not the whole movie. But, um, but anyway, um, the, the real aesthetic choice that I was trying to talk about was, like, how all of it is, like, uh, on uh, steady cams, like, shoulder cams, and it just feels claustrophobic. There's a lot of close-ups. There's a lot of shaking to it, and I think it really adds to the movie that he shot it that way versus the more traditional way that he shot, like, Green Mile or Shawshank. Um, but more to, like, the characters. You get, I, I love how much life that he brings to all the characters. They, they really do feel like their own characters. It doesn't just feel like a bunch of stock people, and you're just cheering for thomas jane like you really get to know and care about every single one of these characters like across the spectrum like as random characters are dying you actually care about them too um but anyway i can wrap this up it's scary as hell it's sad as hell um i i'll read verbatim what i wrote in my notes too um it's uh right (laughs) my last note was sprinkles i'm bummed out or sprinkles i'm depressed i not my last note but um it's sad watching this now because this isn't too many degrees away from how we dissect and react to bad things in the real world. And I know I had that thought the first time I saw it too. So I testament to just how well this movie has aged and maybe also backhandedly <laughs> aside from some visual visuals. <laughs> so like, I guess that's a testament to how well this movie's aged narratively, but also just, it just makes it that much more sobering and depressing that we as people still just maybe it's by nature. This is just how we cope with things like this. Like, obviously, we haven't dealt with what they deal with in the mist. But, I mean, we've we've had some bad things happen and they don't really act that dissimilarly in the real in the real world uh, versus what we people saw in this become movie. dicks. Yeah, no, Thomas. Re- Thomas Jane really has a great line in the movie that i think we need to talk about um i'll bring it up here in a sec but um anyway i i give this movie our highest rating too um one of the best films that we've seen this year if not in the history of the show is a movie so good it's a brownie pan covered in icing sprinkles all fixings on top of it that's the highest rating i give this movie sprinkles uh i don't want to go through the rest of the ratings because they don't matter now (laughs) we just already said them yeah sorry (laughs) you've had that brain fart now i have um dude let's just dive right into this movie um i i want to actually start since it's on my mind it's um when they're in the back after um they're really like it's really starting to sink in that um the the marcia gay harden's character the 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 religious lady uh they're trying to convince uh the the blonde lady played by Lori horton um that by the way was this a pre-union for the walking dead Yes, because uh, The Walking Dead started in 2010. Actually, I almost forgot to do that before we really get into it. Uh, uh, 
if you didn't know, listeners, uh, Frank Darabont, uh, I may have already said this, Frank Darabont wrote, wrote this, directed this. It's based on Stephen King's novel. Uh, it stars Thomas Jane, Marsha Gay Harden, Laurie Holden, Andre Power, another Brooklyn Nine-Nine connection, <laughs> uh, Toby Jones, William Sadler. There's so many other actors, but those are just the top people that pop up here on IMDb. But, um, but anyway, the um, when they're trying to convince Laurie Holden's character um, that, no, this could get really bad with her because... Um, this is just how people react. And she's like, but people are, people are just naturally good. I believe that. And then he straight up says, okay, no. take away power, take away the police and scare the out of them. And this is what happens. I wrote in my notes right then. He is a hundred percent right. Emphasis on scare the crap out of them. Cause I, I mean, that's something I just personally believe. If you scare people just right, you can literally oh, yeah. make them do anything. Well, I wouldn't even say make them do anything. I'm just saying, like, a certain instinct kicks into somebody when suddenly they realize that, you know, they can't rely on creature comforts anymore. Well, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, not even just creature comforts. Like, um, this, uh, this, this sense of security. Like, if you take away a sense of security, not just, like, creature comforts, like... Yeah. It just all compounds into... We've liter- just... We literally saw it in the past year. People freaking out, I'm not going to be able to get out of my house. What do I do? I buy a bunch of toilet paper. Or in the past, it, literally the past calendar year. Oh my God, the price uh, the price of gasoline's gonna go so high. What do I do? Oh, I start hoarding gas. Yeah, like first of all, that was stupid. But uh, also, <laughs> I did not do that. But I'm just saying, like, you scare people into, hey, you're gonna be unable to do X, Y, Z. They are going to take preventative measures. Yeah. And they could react in any of these ways. I, I love that the yeah. film really, it doesn't, like I was saying, it doesn't go that far away from society. Like, there's, like, the rational, there's the denial, and then there's the, gosh, I'm not, I, I really hope this doesn't come off how it might sound, uh, the the religious, like, there, it, that's, how so, it, it, that's how it is in the movie, though. It's like, you're either with Thomas Jane, you're with Andre Bauer, or you're with Marsha Gay Harden. So, we can't avoid the religious lady in this movie i want to i want to put it out there i actually did not have a problem with the because stephen king um has a stereotype of religious people show up in his movies and stories all the time and they're never the brightest character in the in the story (laughs) and they're usually painted to be one of the worst people in the story yeah i actually did not have a problem with the religious character in this movie when she first shows up because I was like, you know, that's that is the way someone would respond is it's the end of the world. And I believe that due to my religious beliefs and here's the signs I'm looking for and here's what's going to happen because of what I or what I think will happen because of my religious beliefs. I didn't have a problem with it. Like, I actually had a note where I was like, I don't even have a like, I think it's the scene where they board up the front of the store with like dog food bags or something. Yeah, dog food. I was mulch, like, yeah, I was like, I actually don't even have that much problem with her other than just like hey move out of the way like you're you're in the way like i don't even have a problem with her preaching what she's preaching it's just you're in the way until i get to the point where like she forms a cult and suddenly thinks she's the like this like the chosen one from god and i'm like okay now i've got a problem with you <laughs> like yeah when she's first on screen i was like dude dude do whatever you want that makes you comfortable in this situation you all got to find your way to cope and and get through but the only problem I had with her in the beginning was that she was kind of that she was pretty mean to the one lady in the bathroom and that she was thought she was higher and mightier than thou. But like, I was really like, you're just kind of in the way. Can you move so they can stack the bags of dog food? Maybe just go preach over there. Like do, do you whatever you want to do. But, and then like, then she becomes like pretty horrible. And I'm like, okay, now I actually have problems with you because like you're preaching like human sacrifice and stuff. Yeah. Like, I think that works so well too is that as like it is just like different it's just as it's just a simple face value like how you're coping with the trauma of just holy crap we're trapped in this grocery store a mist has surrounded us and someone has died so yeah and there was a tentacle yeah <laughs> uh but no like I think that was I, I, I'm I can say with certainty that like that was deliberate to like have her delusions in the grandeur of like, I've been chosen by God 
be the antagonist in this movie. Like, because that's really what she is. She is the antagonist in this movie, not so much the mist. The mist is just monsters she, in the setting. Like, she it, she was gonna kill a kid. Yeah. How is she not the antagonist? <laughs> yeah, she was. She was. She was like, you know what? Sacrifice the child. What? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's obvious that like this is just another notch in his belt for like digs at Christianity because it's super obvious. Like if you're even remotely familiar with King, that if he's not trying to scare you, he's trying to tell you Christianity's terrible. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's. What ha- did he go to like a Catholic high school or something or like why does he why does he have such an issue with religious people? I I can't speak on his behalf on that. I don't know that that well. I just notice in his work, every single time a Christian character is in it, they are in the way or the antagonist. Yeah. But, like, that was my thing with her is, like, when she's first on screen. Like, I, that's what I liked about this movie and I liked about that character is when she's first on screen, she's really not that problematic. And then, like, as she develops, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, she's becoming a problem. Yeah, she she didn't see she didn't seem as stereotyped to me as what normally shows up in Stephen King movies. And she doesn't feel like um, the super religious lady, say, like in uh, like Edward Scissorhands or um, in Donnie Darko, like those movies and plenty of others have like the Christian lady. But they really lean into more like a, a Reverend Lovejoy's wife. The oh, someone please think of the children like. Yeah, she's she's definitely not like, cartoonish like that. I mean, I mean, t- well, she does get to that well, point. That's, that's the thing with like religious people in Stephen King's works is they always come across as like cartoonishly over the top. Like, what was the movie we reviewed a couple weeks ago where I said, uh, "Oh, it's Corella." I was like, "These people don't come across as cartoons, but you see what you would over exaggerate to a cartoonish level with them." Yeah, it's, that's what I that's what yeah. I see with that character in this movie. And I think it's I think it's handled well It's like I see where someone would be like, OK, we'd like crank we crank this thing up and this thing up and this thing up. And it's like a crazy overblown person. But what if we dial them back? It's it's more nuanced and like, yeah, are there religious people that extreme? Yes, but in rare circumstances. And then like she progresses to a point where she goes insane, like. Carrie's mom, oh yeah, starts off another great just example. insane. Yeah, that's another. That's great not example. how this lady starts off with. She just starts off as being like uh, high and mighty and holier than thou, and then like you see her like descend into madness because she's like so wacko, and then has like uh, not not wacko because of her religious beliefs, but like she she's going insane because of all the crazy pressures and she's, and then she defaults back to trying to get comfort out of what she loves and what she loves. Uh, and is religious about like, kind of like preaches like gloom and doom type stuff. She, she was pushed to the brink and everybody was, and the way they, everyone was, yeah. The way they cope with it is how we get to the end. Like she copes with it by believing she's the hand of like, I love when the one guy, um that gets ripped in half actually says lady i believe in the i believe in the i believe in the lord just like you but just not as vengeful and angry of one like you think yeah i love that line too i i i forgot that um while i was watching this one like i forgot that there that guy said that line um but that was such a god i just everything about marcia gay harden's character like if i have i haven't said it like outright explicitly she really is up there as like my favorite performance in this movie. She is she owns this speaking role of, so well. Speaking of like her as an actress, when you think back to like when this movie was made, she was one of the more established actors. And then you see all the people that came out of this movie to have such amazing careers. The the lead cop on Brooklyn Nine Nine, all the people that were in The Walking Dead, the one guy that has glasses and works at the store and is the expert marksman is the evil science, German scientist from the Captain America series that <sighs> ends up being in the computer and Captain America, uh, everything you know is wrong. Uh, Dude, Toby, Soldier, I, like, that's Toby Jones. I love him so much. Whenever he pops up in a movie, I always get a little bit excited. Um, who else? Thomas Jane's had a pretty good career. Uh, I like in your notes, <laughs> you called him Discount Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> He's Discount Aaron Eckhart. Like, I was like, dude, this seems like <laughs> they wanted Aaron Eck- Like, Aaron Eckhart, if this movie came out, like, 
a couple years after it did when Aaron Eckhart was like having his rises. Like, I feel like this would be an Aaron Eckhart movie. And then they got this guy and I was like, I have Aaron Eckhart, I guess. They, they probably couldn't get him because he was busy filming The Dark Knight. Like, I think they were filming. Or thank you for smoking. Yeah. Thank you for smoking. Got him an Oscar nod. That's true. I always, God, I yeah. always forget that movie. Um, but no, Thomas Jane is great in this. Like, I know he, after this, I know he had an HBO show called Hung, but after that, I mean, I don't remember seeing him in that many things. I mean, I, I have his IMDb right here, um, or I can pull it up. Like, uh, oh, he was, <laughs> he was Punisher for a minute. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, was it? He was, uh, I Frankenstein or something too. Uh, he was in Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Oh, he was on the Expanse. He was a main character in the Expanse. Uh, didn't know that. Um, so he's got some. So he's got. Wait, some are we good talking stuff. Aaron Eckhart or the guy in this movie? Oh, Thomas Jane. That's who I was talking about. Oh, Not Aaron mind. Eckhart. Oh, no, vegan police. I take back my I Frankenstein comment. He was, he was one of the vegan police in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> I forgot that. Speaking speaking of people that had uh, big careers after this, I think it was Will Whitwer. So. There are several military guys in this movie that are completely useless. Um, yeah, let me make sure I get his name right. I I thought about that because um, you saw you watched this before me, and then after I read your notes and started watching the movie, and we see him talk to the to the to the store uh, employee, and it's well like near an hour into the movie. And this is the second line of dialogue he's had. Well, the first line of dialogue he's had since the mist showed up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, these military kids are totally useless in this movie. But I think it's like Will Whitwer or Sam Whitwer or something like that. He not only was the voice of Starkiller in Star Wars The Force Unleashed, they based a lot of the character look off of him, too. And I was like... Is that, I was like, I wonder if, I was like, he looks familiar. And then I heard him scream when he gets stabbed. And I was like, oh, that's Starkiller from Force Unleashed. Because I hear him scream in pain in that video game a lot. Yeah, Private Jessup was Sam Whitwer. Yeah, you're right. Um, um, By the way, my favorite line in the movie is <laughs> when Wally kills the super religious lady by shooting her. And he goes, I killed her. And then the lead guy's like, thank you, Wally. God, that was so funny, too. I, I... <laughs> I I laughed I like I've seen this enough times like I just kind of enjoyed like I was trying to think of your notes while I was watching it to, for like talking points. I actually laughed out loud at the lighter this time and I just wrote in my notes lighters are hard. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, dude, like oh my god, she can't get that thing lit. Like it is laughable how she can't get it lit. But then like I just want a loop of her, of the like 2 second shot of her screaming at the lighter just going <laughs> dude the scene where all the bugs are breaking in the store and they're like all right here's what we're here's what we're gonna do we're gonna light torches and we're gonna light them on fire i was like uh lighting something on fire doesn't instantly kill it it usually struggles around in pain and excruciating pain and dies slowly and incredibly painfully and then they light one of the bugs on fire or the like dragon things and it's like ah and it starts flying around and like lighting a bunch of stuff in the store on fire i was like yeah that's exactly what i was saying <laughs> it's not just gonna drop dead it's gonna mess up your store bro oh dude um what, what and then i love i love i love when the bugs start coming to the window and they all have the flashlights on them and it, like i looked at the bugs and i was like oh those look like giant versions of these bugs which are attracted to light you should probably shut your lights off and then it takes them like 45 seconds to be like wait I think these are attracted to the light. We should shut these off. And then the one guy's like, turn on the generators. We got to get more lights on. Yeah, that was, that was Jim. And then, and then the bugs like freak out and crash through the window. And I was like, oh my God, dude, was they're going to breach the perimeter. Was, was that your favorite? Like, I'm trying to, how to phrase this, like monster attack moment in the movie, or was there a different monster moment in the movie that you think was, uh, I don't know. Like, you might you might not like my answer because it's technically not an attack, but it's when at the end he gets out and he sees what looks like Cthulhu mixed with like a woolly mammoth walking around. Oh, like I yeah. just I just thought that was really cool looking. Did you... even though you don't get a very clear shot of it, but like, are you so are you asking like what was my favorite monster or what was my favorite monster attack? Because I... if it's my favorite monster, it's Cthulhu mammoth. Well, yeah, no, I, I, that's 
I I like that you have a favorite monster too. I, I was a, I was asking more specifically like attacks. Like was it the pharmacy? Was it the the bugs at night? Was it the tentacle monster? Like was there a specific sequence that like scared you or like you thought was really thrilling? Ooh. Because I can okay. I can answer I, I can answer I will mine. Say, what okay? What's yours? Mine is the the evil mosquito like at night attack because we see so many people get just destroyed in that like it's not just mine it's not just screaming and hitting the bugs like you see a ton of people die in that sequence i don't know because like my issue with that scene is the fact that the bug just randomly chooses not to kill the religious lady she's like oh my god i am the chosen one like i love that ironic twist that like the innocent girl dies but then she lives and that's the start of her ultra power trip i that scene that scene to me is the most intense um i will say i the the one where like the tentacle just grabs the kid and drags him out i i thought the ending of that scene was the bet was one of the best ones where the guy's like uh well you said you heard something but you didn't you need to be more specific like you got that kid killed like just accept the fact you got that kid killed um the bugs i did like the bugs the issue is like the pharmacy after a certain point, I was like, I feel like they're walking into a nest. And I think it was after, like, in the background, you saw the webbing. I th- I will s- actually, I think it's the pharmacy because when the one guy, the one military guy goes, it's our fault. Like, I really like that scene. I think it has some of the biggest ramifications because that's when you find out that this is all the military's fault. Yeah. Do but and and it's I don't know I I wouldn't say, um, it's it's hard to say, I wouldn't say that it's my favorite but like I actually think the spider things aren't that cool other than the fact that like their spider what it's confusing their spider web when it's coming out of them is acidic but like when it's just on the wall it's not acidic but like I think it's neat that it's got acidic spider webs but um I don't know like. It could be like it could be like uh, I mean that's not it's, it's not explained but like they they could control like if it gets doused in poison on the way out or not maybe I mean I just... I I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's between the bugs the, like your favorite bug one and then the one where they go to the pharmacy and I think it's the pharmacy just because like how colossally bad that goes yeah. I, I I think it's worth note in the in the pharmacy too. Like yeah, the military like the the MP isn't dead, but um and then his body explodes well, with I, spiders. Oh, that was so gross. I thought I actually thought that was um uh his neighbor, the Brooklyn Nine Nine chief of police guy. No, he had, at first. Oh, I was I was well. I didn't I didn't see his sleeve. Yeah. At first, I thought that was him, and I was like, oh no, wait, that is a military guy. Never mind. Yeah, no, we never get an answer to Andre Bauer's character. He just... Oh, he's for sure dead. Oh, yeah, he's no. 100% he... dead. Well, I'm just saying we don't see it on screen. Like, he puffs his chest, and, like, there's a whole history that we don't know about. We just know that, that... there was a lawsuit, and then he strong-arms his way out, and then that's it. We literally well, get no resolution for him. When when that one guy... When that one guy's like, I'll go out, and then he's like, I'll walk out, and I'll go to your truck to get the shotgun... And then he gets ripped in half, and, like, as they're waiting to figure out what's going on with him, like, the line goes limp, and then it goes really taunt, and then it just goes up in the air. I was like, buddy, cut the line. You're not saving him. Yeah. <laughs> right? I wrote in my notes. Cut the line and shut and lock the door. I Well, I wrote in my notes. That's actually uh, a question I had was, because mm-hmm. they kept showing, like, them people standing guard near the door. I was like, so are you locking the door every time someone goes in and out? Or are you just assuming that these things don't know how to open a door? Because if it's, they don't know how to open a door, that is hilarious. I, <laughs> I mean, that is a fair question. Like these are monsters. They're not going to get stopped by a deadbolt if they really want to come in. <laughs> the, uh... Oh, I got, um, when, when the one guy after, like the bugs come in and he gets lit on fire in the store and he's like super burned. And he's like, if you can't do anything to help me, just kill me. I was like, Hey, look, Johnny got his gun is happening in this movie, dude. 
so many people that, that that he and like so many other characters are talking about. <laughs> Sorry, when... I just found I just found another line that I thought was really funny. A court of appeals in hell. Oh, I wrote a <laughs> I wrote a couple of taunts yelling at her down. Um, uh, I shut up, buzzard. Um, <laughs> what was it? Um, prepare it, the, when the guy says, uh, "How about you prepare to get my size ten boot in your ass." <laughs> Um, but no, what I was going to say was the uh, the little devastations that I was talking about. Like, we get to know everybody just enough that, like, when they perish, like, the guy that got set on fire, the woman that was watching the kid, and she just straight up decided to down a bottle of pills instead of be alive okay. anymore. So I'm I'm not... I'm not saying that's a bad part of the movie. I'm, asking, I'm just asking for clarification because it wasn't super clear to me. Did she commit suicide... Did she accidentally overdose or was it she needed these pills to live and she ran out and she was like searching in her pill bottle and died while looking through it. So that's why her pill bottle was out. I was actually confused about her death. No, that was, that was straight suicide as far as that was suicide. Okay. Yeah. To, to me, that was, unless I missed some context clue, like that she was like subtly in the background popping them. Like I'm I'm 99% sure that that was suicide. I'm not questioning that it was, I'm just saying it wasn't clear. Because I was like, because in that situation, like, it makes sense uh, that her character would. So it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just it was not very clear of like, okay, out of these three out possible outcomes or causes, which was it? I I took it as like when you reveal a dead body with a pill bottle next to it, like nine out of ten times, that's a deliberate suicide. <laughs> okay. Um, But no, like. God, so many the 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 two military guys that hang themselves, and then the girl that gets uh, stung in the neck, and then they throw the Jessup out the as a sacrifice. Like Jesus Christ! Like s- almost everybody dies in this freaking movie, dude. <laughs> I well, that's the other thing too is you never actually find out what happened to the people that stayed in the store. Yeah, I like you see you see the one lady that left to go find her kids. She turned out fine, <laughs> but like. The people that leave all die except for the main character, and then you never actually find out what happened to the people that stick with the religious lady in the store, but I'm gonna guess death. Well, they may have gotten, depending on how far they've gotten, I don't know my northeastern geology, or geography that well, but it's in, it's in, uh, Maine, because Stephen King's universe, um... Which, by the way, the newspaper that they were reading was called the Castle Rock Times. I don't know if you noticed that. But Castle Rock is a big, like, connective tissue between him and literally everything he writes because he was the... Is it? Okay. Yeah. The re- Remember the Hulu show, Castle Rock? It was like an anthology show of Stephen King stuff. Nope. Oh, well, that that's like the biggest connection it has to being set in the same... Like, uh, like dairies in the same area, Castle Rock, like basically everything takes place in Maine. Um, but, um, I was trying to think of where, what the next point was. Like, I was, I don't want to like jump straight to it necessarily. Like, um, unless something, let's talk about the CGI. Oh yeah, no, no. Let's yes. Before we jump straight to the ending. I mean, I know I mentioned the ending, but like before we drop, jump straight to the ending. The one thing in this movie that's bad a lot of CGI didn't age very well. Okay, yeah. I I I, I it's be, it would be interesting to like show you so, like the tentacle attack in black and white and see if it is better or worse. I don't think it'd be better. I think it would just be the same level of bad, I, but I don't I don't know because a lot of the issue I have with the CGI is shadowing issues. Like the lighting looks wrong. So if you make it to where your only thing you're getting to change color is shadowing, I actually don't know how that would work. But, like, a lot of the shadowing and a lot of the texturing looks too smooth. Yeah. No, there's... Jesus. The the monsters, for the most part, looked okay. I think the tentacle monster actually aged the worst. Like When, when, you, see, when you see the monsters not obscured by the mist, it's problematic with the, with the clarity of the picture. Yeah, no, that's a when they're when they're obscured by mist, it's fine. When you're actually getting an in-depth like, oh, look at this detailed version of this, it's bad. The the CGI aged poorly in those instances. Like the bugs look bad, the spiders look bad, the dragon bat things look bad, 
The tentacle looks bad. I'd I'd say the shot the shot looking after the storm at his house looks bad. I think the I think only the tentacles really looked like that bad. <laughs> I'd say the ter- watch it in color. The pterodactyls, yeah, they had moments that looked kind of bad, but I I still think it it it's definitely starting to age for sure. But like it's it's uh, it's pretty good for 07 like for uh, based on 07 standards this was pretty top-notch cgi back then i remember when i saw it in theaters I'm, thinking it looked good i'm just saying i'm just saying watch the colored version then because it, it looks it looks pretty bad in color it's okay then it's got to be like i would see i guess i've got to bring the disc over and we watch a little bit of the black and white one and then watch a little of the color one i um like i was saying before like i think god some of the it makes it looks kind of noirish like taking away the color and it's like the harsh black shadows like i don't know i just i got a little cinematography boner watching the black and white version (laughs) um but no that's the one thing of cgi also that's not a monster i'll say is bad is the very first shot when they're looking at the storm out the window and it says the title card the mist that window looked pretty bad i (laughs) yeah it looked pretty bad in color too yeah it was there was like a notable like halo around the windowsill like it was <laughs> that was pretty bad but um the uh so do you want to talk about how before uh, to avoid jumping to the ending too soon do you also want to talk about how it's a hundred percent the military's fault for whatever is happening i like it is it is admitted by multiple military people they were messing around with stuff that they didn't fully understand i do and i do want to by posing it in a question like this this movie came out uh Three years after the war in Iraq started, we're really, like, I mean, we're near the tail end of the Bush era, but it was, like, filmed, like, in the heat of the Bush era, and it's already so critical about Christianity. The old lady uh, complains about the government spending money not for schools. Do you think Stephen King... You think it's a very anti-Republican? Yeah, do you think either between Stephen and Frank, or maybe just Frank because he wrote the screenplay for this technically, like... He tried, like, that's what he was trying to do was, like, take a jab at the then Republican controlled, like, military and, like, the industrial complex the way it was running back then in the mid thousands. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Okay. I do do too. (laughs) It's not overt. It's not overt. It doesn't bash you over the head with it, but I'm like, you're pretty against a lot of Republican stuff. I got a lot of I got a lot of vibes, like the same kind of vibes I got from when we were watching Buried, like um, just the state of the world and the state of the the how we were foreign affairs, the state of like how we were militarizing like our foreign affairs, like with the war and the war against terror. Like I got a lot of those vibes, kind of. Well, it's got a very large, overbearing military presence in this, and then it shows the military people in the store as uh, inept and unable to do anything. Well, to be one of them, to be one fair, of them, one they're of about them, to go one on of them leave. admits. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying why I think this. It's got a large military presence in the movie, and then the military admits that they're at fault in the movie multiple times. Um. And the people in the store that are military related are largely inept and unable to do anything. Yeah, I think it's got a pretty big thing to say about the military. You made a good point. Like, I mean, I already said like it's weird that we don't have him say any lines until like, and then hour okay, and the then movie. and then wouldn't real wouldn't quick some... and then it sorry and then real quick it says um we were mess like they say we were messing stuff we didn't fully understand and I'm like oh wow that definitely doesn't say anything about what happened with the iraq war so yeah i think it's got a very strong anti-military presence thing yeah like it's this movie's pretty anti-republican we we know people that are in the military too and i know for a fact that at least um i have a cousin that was a, a tank driver i know for a fact that like if stuff went down he would be the first person to stand up and like at least make sure everybody's okay and then like try to assert to be like the 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 battle plan yeah. maker like <laughs> yeah well that's the thing that's interesting too is like all the stuff starts going down and they just like are hanging out in the cracker aisle just by themselves it's like you guys want to board up the wall <laughs> like i get the guilt and the fear and like they're probably like 19 18 probably i think they're supposed to be in this but like at the same time like you how would that instinct well, wait, not what kick? Was the, what was the what was the cause again? They were 
messing with stuff and they thought they made a window but they made a door to another dimension or world and monsters came from there, there was, and started attacking the world there were scientists but what did that have to do with the mist there were itself there were scientists messing with interdimensional travel i believe was what the ultimate goal was but it was dealing with interdimensions and like finding parallel dimensions or i mean maybe not parallel but like other dimensions just i don't know that's <laughs> that's as detailed as they get because dimensional travel or dimensional anything is that simple in movies and yeah what they did was they thought they had a window to peer into this world, but then it became a door, and I guess the mist was just a part of this world where the monsters came in, and that's why the mist, like, shrouded over them. I, I okay. That's the best answer I could come up with. But, um, but yeah, they, they just busted through because we... Just because we can do it, does it mean we should do it? Like, that's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about the ending. Yes, let's. Um, the movie. I I told you this, but I'll say on mic too. Like to say it on mic. Um, the novella that this is based on ended with them driving into the mist after they've killed Marsha Gay Harden. That's where the novella ended. <laughs> so, I'm sure there were some meetings. Leave it. Leave it to Stephen King to be like, no. The point is to kill the religious person. Like, no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I, I'm sure there were some meetings where they asked if if it could end like that. But, dear God, leave it to Frank Darabont to, to expound upon the ending and make an actual definitive, uh, unambiguous ending. Because if it ended like that, like, I mean, I don't hate ambiguous endings, but, like, he wanted to make a definitive ending, which he clearly did. And for people that haven't watched it and are already 40 minutes deep into the spoiler section... Thomas Jane, they he runs out of gas in his Land Rover, and they all agree. He hears, he hears the sounds of monsters getting near him. Yes, and they all decide that uh, even though he's only got four bullets and there's five people in the car, to do a suicide murder pact, and he kills everybody in the car, including his, dear God, his, like, eight-year-old probably son. And He for sure murdered the kid first. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> Yeah, he for sure killed the kid first. Oh no, he went kid. He went. He went kid, blonde lady, uh, rear passenger, rear driver. Yeah, uh, late. Yeah, it was kid, lady, lady, man. Um, but <laughs> I was wondering if you took note of that too. <laughs> um, so then. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, you can tell like he for sure killed the kid, and then it wasn't too far to move the gun from the kid to the to the lady in the front. So those two shots happened kind of rapid fire. Then he has to turn around. Uh, and so there's a pause and he gets the person in the rear passenger and then he has to move a little bit and get the person in the rear, the rear driver's seat. Yeah. Like they, they actually, they're not like, it's not like pop two seconds, pop two seconds, pop two seconds, pop. Like it's actually like, no, they spaced it out to like, it makes sense for his body to move. God, God. And so he freaks out, tries to shoot himself, even though he's out of bullets, gets out, calls for a monster to attack him. And then what comes through the mist the goddamn military burning down the forest, getting rid of the mist. We then see the America. <laughs> F yeah. Coming again to save the mother. Every day. America. Dude. Oh God. There's a dead kid with a bullet hole in his head. The, and then the lady that ran out of the store to take care of her kids. She ended up making it out. Okay. After all. And then Thomas Jane just falls to his knees and cries fade to black Jesus Christ, this is ending, dude. <laughs> I had I had a note of my God, I know how this ends, and even I'm bummed out. Oh my God, I I'm sure. Just thinking I, about it, I don't remember how I reacted the first time I saw this, but I'm ninety percent sure I cried. I there's no doubt in 2007 I cried watching this oh, in dude, high school. <laughs> I, I I can guarantee you, if you don't know how this movie ends and you're watching it standing up, when they reveal that the military's there and he just did all that, I guarantee you, you would fall to your knees too. Oh my god it's i it's it's in that same camp that i put requiem for a dream like that i don't need to watch this movie again for a very long time <laughs> solely because this ending is just so damn tragic man like how, how what was that meeting like to be a fly on the wall when frank darabont pitches oh yeah he's gonna murder suicide everybody but then not do the suicide because he ran out of bullets and then poetic irony the military comes in instead of a monster <laughs> like just my god just just be like, I'm bummed out. Go with it. <laughs> Stephen King said on record that he told Frank 
uh, I wish I wrote your ending for the novella. Like, <laughs> how could you not die a happy man he's, getting he's praise like, from Caesar? But seriously, the religious lady was dead, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> That's all I needed to do, as he does a line of cocaine. <laughs> I just, I'm just kidding, by the way. He's been clean and sober for a while now. It's just a joke, Mr. King. <laughs> I, I mean, I what else, what else, like, st- oh. like, what was it, was it, was it different for you, like, seeing the whole movie up to this point to then get to the ending, like, because you said it was still kind of devastating. No. It was, it was, it was devastating. It was more of, it wasn't as devastating as it could have been. I'm not, I'm not upset I had the ending ruined. Um, I will say, I, I didn't know what happened in the middle of the movie, like, very much. And I actually really enjoyed the tentacle attack because I I actually love that they show people paralyzed with fear trying to understand what's happening. Like, because in the beginning, they kind of treat them as like, oh, my God, is it chemical warfare? And then, like, they're like, nah, there's monsters in it. Like, like <laughs> the, the kids, the kids getting dragged out. And like, he's like, I heard something smacking at the door. And then the one guy's like. I yeah, I was attacked and knocked down and beat up by monsters, but I got away. And then like the one kid's like, "No, nah, I want to go out there." And by the way, that kid, if you're wondering who he is, he worked at a comic book store in an episode of Malcolm in the Middle where uh Hal is trying to buy a comic book for Malcolm's birthday. And like the kid's like, "Nah, I'm going to go out there." And then like he starts getting taken away and the p- two people that are like, "No, everything's fine." See this happening and they're like and the kid just gets like dragged out and they do nothing. And they're like, like, I love the entire time that they have this happening. They show there is a fire axe within reach of everybody. And everyone's too freaked out to get it. Except for the one guy trying to keep the kid from being dragged away. Dude, the rationale that Toby has, like the, I love that. He's like this, um, uh, sociological sage, like, he understands human behavior so well that he is the couple times this movie has exposition dumps, like, he just, he has a sociology degree, but he's the assistant manager at this grocery store. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the other, the other thing, too, is I love that, uh, they go to this grocery store, and, like, you look at it, and you're like, oh, this is almost like just kind of like a large gas station quick shop type thing. Oh, it's like a, it, it's like a Wawa. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's just like some mom and pop store. And then like, uh, I love the one guy in the beginning that's like the manager of the store. And then the one guy's like, no, seriously, there was a tentacle that was trying to drag that drug the kid out and killed him. And he's like, you've been drinking on the job. And he's like, hey. If you have to write me up, whatever, but will you shut the hell up long enough to come look at this tentacle thing on the floor that killed Tom? Dude, I I kind of love, too, like, part of the tension in that scene before he got attacked. He goes up to Thomas Jane and tells him, like, they're in a state of panic and shock. They fix things for a living. They found something to fix. Let them have their little moment. Even though it ended up killing that kid and then... He, Jim rightfully deserved well, to get punched in the face. <laughs> the, the the other thing, the other thing too. So they're trying to get like this generator working, and normally in a movie like this, something bad happens. But oh my god, we still gotta get the generator working. They abandon it. <laughs> like the one kid gets dragged away and killed. And they're like, you know what? Screw the generator. <laughs> like we are not trying with this thing anymore. Survive in the store. Don't get dragged away by a tentacle monster thing. We're cool. Dude, since you got me thinking about it, I I really paid attention to j- there. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, there is one moment that I think is kind of strange is the main characters. They keep talking about, we need to stay in the store. We need to stay in the store. We got food. We got this. We got this. We got this. We're fine. We're good. We need to stay in the store. And then just like out of nowhere, they just go when like the religious lady says she wants to stay in the store. They're like, we need to get out. <laughs> okay total change of heart on, on a heel turn but okay i'm not well, disagreeing well with they you. could see they could see what she was doing like and it was kind of a hokey line but he ended up being right like he knew yeah. how radicalization worked and it was eventually going to lead to someone getting sacrificed and that ended up being jessup um but i just i guess my last thought on this before we get to the nick cage question was i we were breaking down like other characters up to this point but i don't want to ignore jim like Jim's arc in this movie is really fascinating to me because he's the guy that at first is just like, I don't believe you darn city slick Hollywood tap. And then he sees the kid get killed. He joins his side. 
He sees his best friend get killed by the spiders, almost craps his pants like seven times up to that point, and then he joins Marsha Gay Harden and becomes a, the, the religious radicalized. Like, this dude goes through a crazy character arc. <laughs> He's going through yeah. such an emotional that guy, roller coaster. That guy has three character arcs in an entire movie. Dude, and and what when he he goes he goes from I don't like you city slickers to I like you city slickers to, uh, oh my god I saw my friend die I hate you religious person and then uh to I I love you religious person to then lead partially leading the religious stuff is like so much development for this one character it was such emotional whiplash like and even uh Lauren Holden's character says. Oh my god, it's been two days. All this took place in 48 hours. <laughs> someone's like, someone's like, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> oh my god, I just, I, I couldn't let that go, like, while we were still on. Like, I was, I don't know, I just got really transfixed on him, because he was just going through so much, and I kind of felt bad for him. Until he was the reason that Jessup got killed. Um, I've got a question about something. Yeah. Since you, we were talking about expressions earlier, when he says, if you're going to do this again, I suggest you count your teeth. Have you ever heard that expression? I've never heard that expression. I've just heard you better watch your mouth. I've not heard count your teeth as a precursor to my size 10 boots going to kick a number of them out of your mouth. <laughs> oh. Okay, I got... um. I got one last thing before we do the Nicolas Cage question, and then I'm kind of I'm kind of done. The way this movie was filmed, I actually noticed watching it. I was like, "Oh, this looks grainy." I wonder if this was filmed on actual film. Yeah, it was. This was filmed in 2006 to come out in 07. Uh, even Marvel movies were shooting on film in Iron Man in 08 and the Hulk and Captain America. Like they didn't go digital until the first uh, Avengers in 2012. So like. If that doesn't tell you, like, how not ready for digital or not ready for, like, professional cinema digital cameras were. Like, we've only had digital cameras for less than 20 years, really. Like, they've taken over the industry, but no, this was definitely shot on film. Hmm. All right. So, in Stephen King's Mist, what'd you call Nicholas Cage today? Nicholas Cage, to me, I kind of, I don't know which specific one, but... I want him to sport one of those epic mustaches. Um, any any one of them. I think maybe the one that gets cut in half because he would get the epic, I believe in God, but not this vengeful God. Like, I just want him to be one of the background characters. Like, I just, him just being in the store, like, gets his little five minutes in the spotlight, maybe gets killed in, like, a cool way. Like, so I was thinking like that, and I want him to be the one that gets cut in half. <laughs> Change Mrs. Carmody into a man. I want him to be Mrs. Carmody. Also, Mrs. Carmody, I feel like they missed out on a big chance to have Mrs. Carmody's name spelled Karma Die because it's her karma that she dies. Oh, huh. there you go. I didn't think of that. That's hmm, that's clever. I had that as one of my notes. Did you? Okay, then I definitely missed. I just forgot I read that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, is her name spelled K-A-R-M-A-D-I-E because it's her karma that she dies? Dot, dot, dot. Oh, no, it's Carmody, C-A-R-M-O-D-Y. <laughs> Nick Cage's Mrs. Carmody would be... Nick Cage in her dress and with her haircut, but it's still a dude. No, no, no. I'm, I, want, I want the role to be a man. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this because I want the lulls of, oh, my God, it's so funny that Nick Cage is in drag playing a religious woman. I want Nick Cage to be the religious character in the movie, and I, I want it to be a man. He would be really good in that role. I think I think he would be. That be that's not a bad choice. I like it. He could also be really good in Andre Bauer's role as the antagonist to Thomas Jane. Like, I'm gonna sue you and I'm gonna win this time. Yeah, that'd be funny. That's that actually I'm gonna I, I'm gonna pick Andre Bauer. He's gonna he's gonna swap out Andre Bauer. As funny as it would be to sick Nick Cage with one of those like big redneck mustaches though. <laughs> um yeah. But yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to look through my notes real quick, too. This is another one of those where I just kind of got super invested and didn't write, like, that many notes. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I just saw the, I killed her. Thanks, Wally. <laughs> I wrote that down, too. Yeah. I love that line. 
It's so he's just like, yeah, thanks, dude. You killed a fly, basically. Oh, I, <laughs> uh, the tentacle waiting just long enough to dissolve for dramatic effect. <laughs> like, it could have dissolved right when they cut it off, and not ten minutes later after the argument. But I, I get it. Dramatic effect. They poked it with a stick. It had to dissolve. <laughs> then it had to be poked specifically before it disappeared. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, it's like sushi. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Well, I. I'm tapped out, and um, I I don't I don't know. I think we covered pretty much everything here for this movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. Right on. So with that, how about we take our break, and when we come back, we will let you know what we are watching next week. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our thoughts on the mist god it was okay <laughs> it was so much fun to finally get to talk to you about it and now you've seen it and it's off our bucket list um it was god it was so i don't know this was a really fun last hour i'm just putting that out there um <laughs> so i think the f9 review was funner <laughs> funner <laughs> funner it's more family <laughs> yeah less death <laughs> um next week guys um we are once again doing uh, one in theaters and one in, well, at home, but they are two new movies. Uh, so for our first review, it's a Disney Plus exclusive uh, because during the pandemic, Disney decided Pixar didn't need to go to theaters even if they opened back up. So we're going to check out the new Pixar film, Luca. Uh, like I said, it's only on Disney Plus, so you don't have to leave your home. That review is coming out on Tuesday. And then Nick... Tell everybody. Fun fun fact: I've actually already watched Luca. <laughs> you watched it so much earlier than me. <laughs> well, Kelsey was really wanting a movie night, and she's like, "Well, what do you want to watch?" I'm like, "I actually kind of want to watch like a kids movie cartoon thing." And she's like, "We could watch Luca. That way, it's done for the show." And she's like, "I want to see Luca." And I was like, "All right, let's watch Luca." So we watched it last night on Tuesday night. Um, um but so I've already watched it, and I'm trying to figure out exactly when I'm gonna go see, um, the. F- uh, the second movie, uh, I almost ruined it. It's the Forever Purge. It's, uh, I've not seen any of the Purge movies. I'm not completely novice to the Purge series. I do have some knowledge of what goes on in it, and I just think it's hilarious that for the Forever Purge, the supposed last Purge film, they're like, hey, what if we get rid of what makes our movie special, and what uh, if we just make the Purge last forever? And I was like, that's just in Chicago. <laughs> That's just being a criminal. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's just being a criminal. And if look, if you're upset about me taking uh that jab at Chicago, fix your whole of a city. Ugh. Ugh. I I still love you Chicago. I I very much want to go back. <laughs> Have you seen the news? It's constantly murder and robberies. Oh my god, so is Oakland and New York and everywhere i <laughs> the uh i even the town even the town from hot fuzz i love their crime rates gone up. i just love uh little inside baseball i just love that like i just said we're doing a pixar movie it's luca you don't have to leave home uh what do you want to do for the time machine and then you say what else is what's actually in theaters and i tell you it's independence day weekend and the only thing for some reason coming out is the purge five and you're and you text back the purge like that was your choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, dude, I'm picking the purge. I've not seen any of these movies, and I'm picking the last one in the series that just breaks the mold of like what they normally do. Yeah. And I was like, we're gonna go see this movie because I also want to. I want to point out, I'm picking like the complete polar opposite of a family friendly kids movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have seen um the first purge, and I've seen the purge anarchy, but I haven't seen election year or the first purge uh or the tv series on usa but uh by the way the first swear edits for this episode weren't until the outro oh oh what really yeah we didn't swear at all while reviewing the myths i thought i and since and for people listening since this is the massive dump outro technically this is for the mist we know that we swore in fast and furious and i'm sure we swore during brownie bites i was gonna say (laughs) wow like we normally do. I real I you you do pay attention like an eagle for that, so I trust you. But I I swear I thought I swore in the last hour. Um, but 
I think it was just Fast Nine actually. But it, anyway, <laughs> Dan Dan Dan's review of the Mist was just like that creepy SpongeBob video. It's so <laughs> good. <laughs> oh my god, I love that video so much. <laughs> How about how about when it was over and you just turned and looked at me and you're like, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, in your face. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. I can't remember the guy's name. I can't credit him. But um, uh, Meat Canyon. Go. Jesus Christ, guys. Go on YouTube and watch Meat Canyon's animations. They're. Oh, my God. They're gold. They're so funny. Um, creepy. Just a heads up. But yeah, um, God, they're so good. I love them. Dan's like. Dan's like, let's watch another one. I was like, I've had my fill. <laughs> you need. I'm done. I'm good. I got it. You need to watch uh, the Ed, Ed, and Eddie one where he's making Jawbreakers. I'll leave it at that. I'm not gonna get. Give me, give me a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, our taste in animation is so different. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying they're bad. Or I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying I don't like it. What I'm saying is, it, I gotta ease into this creepy it's a, thing. It's a lot. <laughs> It's it's a lot to handle. That was a very very disturbing two and a half minutes. Dude, when when my girlfriend and I were watching them, I I had the opposite effect. I was like, oh my god, give me more. <laughs> I oh my god. I like Metalocalypse, but even I'm like, this is really weird. Mm. God, it was so funny. I meet Canyon. Uh, oh my god, you're fired. By the way, oh my god. Uh oh my gosh. Anyway, um. Outros, uh, where, where are you feeling it now, Mr. Cramps? Hi, me boy. Hi, <laughs> me boy. God, it's so creepy. Um, it's so effing good. Oh my god. Um, Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema, Instagram, Brownie <laughs> underscore points underscore guide, and Twitter at Brownie underscore cinemas. Uh, as well as Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. The show logo, the bowl of popcorn with a brownie, and it's the profile picture of everything. Send us Brandy Bites it is whether topics to discuss, countdowns to do, or movie trailers to review, as well as movies to review, whether they're new releases or time machines in theaters or streaming. We're also on Brandy or, or on Letterbox. Dan is capital D Brandy forty nine, and I'm somewhere on there. I don't know. Um, I ha- I I got a profile, but I can't remember my name. Shane found me. Uh, oh, there we go. So make sure, yeah, make sure you uh you find us on there. Get Dan's D nice and big. Um, also. Make sure you're leaving us reviews on whatever platform you listen to us on or recommendations on Facebook. Uh, reviews, whether they are star ratings or with words, the best way to help us grow because we don't have presenting sponsors. We don't talk to you uh, about um, <laughs> sponsorships like getting meat in the mail, matches in the mail, stuff like that. So make sure you leave us reviews. I will read them on air if they're on Apple Podcasts. Also, recommend us on Facebook. My wife did that. I think it helps us. I don't know, but just help us out. We're trying to grow and we don't. We don't ask a lot from you. We're asking you to do this, so please do that. Chop, chop now. Ooh. <clears throat> I may have just choked on my Dr. Pepper while you're talking. I ripped a huge fart right now, too. <laughs> That's why I'm coughing. <laughs> I can smell through the Wi-Fi. Um. <laughs> yeah, give it give it a couple weeks. You will actually smell me crap my pants while we record. Oh, my God. Uh, guys, uh... We will continue to always be here in your ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, and all other major podcasting platforms. Uh, I figured out what the old Spotify problem was. Uh, it was not a Spotify or Anchor problem. It was a me problem, so I know how to avoid that in the future now. Um, <laughs> so sorry that the episodes uh, last week or two weeks ago now uh, got all jumbled up in the timeline. Um, but anyway, uh, foreign listeners, we know you're out there. Thank you for listening as well. Um, so far this year has been better than 2020, and it's getting better day to day but it will only keep getting better if you uh wear your mask if you decide not to get a vaccine or uh your county state city mandate it uh open your ears and your hearts give a damn about each other uh and wash your hands i am getting all mixed up it's very late um <laughs> uh, but also i we just as a personal plea from us uh we ask that you go ahead and get your vaccine. We really hope you do. We encourage you to do it. We've been out in society. We want you to be out there with us. It's we're fine. I'm regretting it. Oh, yeah. I'm re- I'm regretting the society thing. I'm starting to remember that I don't really like people. <laughs> Still go out there. Get your vaccine. Not not regretting the vaccine though. Yeah, to just get leave Nick his space, but then otherwise go about your marriage. Yeah, life. leave me alone. Like <laughs> if you see me out in public, avoid yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm kidding. If if you see me out in public, 
you see me, I guess. I don't know where I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we really encourage and hope you get your vaccine uh, to just because that'll be uh, a small contribution to making the world better, and we can finally get back to normal before 2022. Even though it's probably going to be 2022, if we're being serious. But anyway, that is all we got for you this week. Next week we got Luca on Tuesday, and then we got the Forever Purge, and then after that we have a special announcement. We will be off. Um, I'll, well, well, we'll remind you again next week, but, uh, but yeah, just a heads up if when that happens, we got reviews next week and then we're going to take a week off. So, uh, stay tuned for the blackout, I guess. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will catch you on Sunday with a news episode that will actually happen. So we'll see you later. Stay tuned for the resounding silence. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> He for sure murdered the kid first. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> yeah, he for sure killed the kid first. Oh, no, he went kid. He went. He went kid, blonde lady, uh, rear passenger, rear driver.